Psst, before you stick this in your ears, know this. The content presented in this show is designed for a mature audience with a functioning sense of humor. If you are not an adult, are easily offended, or take life too seriously, this is not the show for you. For everyone else... Hello, let's go for a ride. on a Davenport. One day the first chimp said to the other, We should make people. Welcome to the Ninth Story Podcast, episode number 25. Hey, we got something really cool happening here today. It's a special episode of the Ninth Story Podcast because we have a special guest. John Russo joined Craig and I for two and a half hours. Amazing. It's probably going to be split into about three shows. We had a really great chat with him. He was very accommodating, answered all our questions. Just a real nice guy. In addition to our recent interview with John Russo, we have some other fun things going on. Our good friend Jessica McHugh, who is a prolific writer, has agreed to write some content for the Night Story podcast, which will be shared on our Facebook page and probably also featured on our website. Craig and I wanted to ask everyone to please go to iTunes and rate the show. Now, it doesn't matter if you listen on Stitcher, if you listen in Zune, if you're downloading directly from the website, listening directly off of Facebook, going to iTunes and rating the show and giving us a hopefully good rating does help us out significantly. We're looking to get some sponsors for the show so we can do some expansion. And we also have a couple of other fun things in the works. In a couple of weeks, I have two of the filmmakers involved in the local project, The Other Side, on the show, John and Chris Nespazinski. They recently completed their project and I think went through a lot of the same struggles that John and... Uh, George Romero went through whenever they were making their Night of the Living Dead project. We're doing just a few more episodes before we move into season number two. In fact, we have two episodes left before the end of season one and beginning of season two, because that would be episode 27. It'll also give us an opportunity to make a few changes to the show that I think everybody's going to enjoy. We're in talks with some, well, I don't want to we're in talks with a, a couple folks for a couple of different things for the show. I think they're going to be some fun and exciting changes as we move into season two. The main show will be shortened to 36 minutes. It's just a little bit easier, I think, for everyone to consume on their commute or time on the treadmill or however you listen to the show. However, when we have a special guest in like John Russo, we'll extend that a little bit. We're going to go up to 45 minutes. And if you're noticing a common theme here, it's that everything we're mentioning adds up to nine. 
and we're going to get back to doing our story radio, uh, STRY radio, which is uh, the story arm of the ninth story, where there will be original content and stories, storytelling released on that show. We haven't done anything with that since back in March. So going forward here within a week or so, we'll have some new content up there for you. A lot of fun things going on at Ninth Story, a lot of new stuff coming up. But without further ado, I'll quit yammering on here and we'll get on to our interview with John Russo. Today, our guest is John Russo, and today we want to talk about the new book that he has out. Well, I guess it's not that new now, right? It's been out for a little while. A few weeks. Yeah. Dealey mm-hmm. Plaza. And I picked mine up on Kindle because I wanted to get it quickly and read it before we had our interview. But it's also out there for those that like the physical book, which I definitely want to get one of those. Craig is a big fan of the physical book. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the Me too, book, John. I that's I'm glad mm-hmm. to hear that. I was going to ask you that question too. That's actually one of the questions. I don't even have I a Kindle. Me neither. What do you what do you think about digital publishing? What are your thoughts? Well, on that? I think it's great that it's happening, but digital publishing is part of the reason that the bookstores are going yeah, out of yeah, business. That's, that's what's true. unfortunate. Yeah. So, I like that I can grab a book like that. You know, I mean, if, yeah. if I want a book, I can mm-hmm. get it. I don't have to drive anywhere. <clears throat> but I I do. I also miss the old bookstore where the person that you would go to see at the bookstore got to know you, got to know mm-hmm. your tastes, spent the time to learn what you liked. And when you came in, they'd be like, you have to try this. And they would put the book in your hands. And you knew when you walked out of the store that day, you were going to have a book that you were going to love. Yeah, well, my, you know, Kensington Books has published my last two horror novels. And actually, there are four novels since there are two in each book. One of them's The Hungry Dead. Well, Undead was the first one, and it had the Return of the Living Dead novel and Night of the Living Dead novel in one volume. Then The Hungry Dead came out in October 2013, Mm -hmm. and it has my Midnight novel reprinted, which is one of the spookiest ones I've written, and the new Escape of the Living Dead novel in one volume. But what's happening is my books were having a great sell-through. My advances were nice and the sales were good. And now Gary Goldstein, my editor at Kensington Books, says it's tougher now because Borders is gone and everything's going and then they don't want to pay as big of an advance and they Mm -hmm. don't know where in the hell to put the books. You know, if they print a lot of books, (laughs) what are they going to do with them? Yeah. And so more and more you have the big bestsellers that are, well, they'll print 100,000 books and then people that aren't national bestsellers, then they have to struggle for shelf space if there is any shelf space. So yeah. as far as digital, you better get into it because it's the wave of the future. It's actually the wave of the present. Yeah. That's well, and, where, and, that's and where it's going them. if you want to be published at all. Right. And print-on-demand is going to be a big thing, too. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of the new machines that will print a book for you while you're standing there? Uh, I think they have three of them. I think I've heard of those. If you're looking for a book that's in the back catalog that they don't actually have in the store, Mm -hmm. you can stand there for 15, 20 minutes, and it will actually take the book, create the cover, print (laughs) the entire thing, bind it, put it together, and you walk out with the book. (laughs) And and that's, to me, really cool. And Mm -hmm. it, it, it gives value to that 
that bookstore again because yeah, you can well, walk in. What are in they going to do? Put up posters? <laughs> I mean, you, you know, at least whenever you had books on the shelves, right. you browsed around and you became aware of books that you might might not have known. Right. Existed exactly. now with Dealey Plaza. Yeah. We're on a massive uh, publicity campaign, the best way we can do it. Luckily, I mean, Burning Bulb Publishing and uh, Gary Vincent, mm-hmm. the, the, and Gary's really doing a fabulous job promoting the book. Yeah. And um, I just will tell you, we have a. If you go to dillyplazabook.com, mm-hmm. there's a special page there where you can order the book. You can see the trailer. Gary did make a trailer for it. It's yeah, that's a really cool trailer. Really I nice trailer. Yeah. And uh, he does a good job we with have his cover. That, when art I too. left the house, we had 12 uh, five star reviews. Oh, wow. On Amazon. Nice. And there haven't been any negative reviews. So, well, that's good. And you have to build up your reviews to get a higher ranking on Amazon. But yeah, my right. main goal is I want to get that thing made as a movie, and it needs to be a movie. I saw the Kickstarter. How are you guys doing on that? I didn't even look at it lately because Gary made a Kickstarter campaign and notified me about it after the fact, which I don't mind. Right. Except I told Kickstarter's not all it's cracked up to No. Me. You know, everybody and their, their brother is trying to raise money <laughs> on Kickstarter, and it's not easy. And I don't think we'll raise uh, you know, we were up for a couple of weeks and we only had a couple small contributions, and that's pretty much yeah. what I would expect. I just caught it the other day, so. Yeah. We even have a publicist on that kind of stuff. And Gary's attitude is well, it's publicity whether we raise the money or not. Right. You know? Absolutely. So he doesn't mind spending the money and doing the work, and that's great for him to do that. Yeah, friends of mine that made a movie, they used, I think, Indiegogo because yeah. the, the difference between the two is Indiegogo, you don't actually have to hit your goal. You'll still get yeah. whatever got contributed. Well, we've been trying to raise money for a remake of Midnight okay. for several years now, and uh, we were, were ready to go with it, and the woman uh, putting up the money died before we could start oh. shooting. So we're regrouping on that. But we, in the meantime, we thought, well, let's raise 50000 Mm-hmm. Uh, of the money, uh, if we can, on on Kickstarter. Yeah, and we actually would have made our goal, but I mean, Kurt Angle is supposed to play a role in it, and he has three hundred fifty thousand followers. Yeah, nice. Well, but he nice. got but he got a DUI and checked himself into rehab, oh, and so that's... he wasn't participating in the Kickstarter campaign. Wow. But yeah. we had, I think, we raised twenty seven thousand, and then we had several people in the wings ready to come in for mm. five or ten off their credit cards. Yeah, but it didn't. It came up to forty-seven thousand, so we were a little short. So we didn't even. You need follow. to redo it on Indiegogo. Well, we did it. Well, then we redid it on uh-huh. Indie, and we didn't have any success. There oh, you're either. kidding! The same. You would think the same people that supported you the first time around would have come back, but well, I guess it's that's the trouble. You can't think. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you could think one thing that raising financing any kind of movie is really tough. Right. And you can't think because somebody's well-known like I am and so on that you're going to get your money. And I kept trying to tell the other people involved that, you know, they felt like it was a given that we were going to get the money. I said, no, yeah. it isn't. The we tried to raise money today's economy, yeah. you know, people don't even have 20 bucks. You go to conventions now and it pains them to part with a $20 bill. Yeah. So let's talk about Dealey Plaza. What I liked about Dealey Plaza, probably the best so far. There's a couple things, but... One of the things I really enjoyed was your opening because there's before Kennedy was shot mm-hmm. and then there's after Kennedy was shot. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of young people and even people that have have lived through it and are alive today don't really remember 
what it was like before Kennedy was shot. No, I don't even know what Dealey Plaza is, right. and we yeah. debated about that. <laughs> right. It's, you it's, know, should the title be American Murders, which was actually the title of a screenplay. I wrote it a screenplay that does have a sniper incident on it and everything. And in Dealey Plaza, there is, in the concluding chapters, the some of the main characters in Dealey are going to back to Belmont University to to shoot scenes for their movie called American Murders. Right. So, uh, and it has the same plot basically that I had in that screenplay that I wrote some years ago. So, but that's what it is. It's American Murders, and we have them <laughs> yeah. more than any other country. And that's why I think I think more, when I reread it now, and it, you know, I wrote it over a period of 20 years, off and on, working on it, and because uh, you get pigeonholed, mm -hmm. and I could sell horror, but. Nobody was waiting for something like Dealey Plaza. So um, you picked a good year. It's the the 50th anniversary, yeah. and it's within people's radar now. I think yeah. because it was the 50th year, mm -hmm. Dealey Plaza is kind of a buzzword. It has been for the last several months. Yeah. So in that regard, picking that name was, was a good thing. But I think people adjust to the new normal very quickly, mm -hmm. you know, like 9-11. People now just accept, I take my shoes off, I walk through the line, I do this kind of thing. Most people don't even think about what it was like prior to. Yeah. And, and, and I really loved your first chapter because it really put me in that mindset of, mm -hmm. this is what you've lost. This is what w the world was like, and this is the world you live in now. And it, it really mm -hmm. set the tone for me. That actually establishes the theme of the entire book. Exactly right. I'm about two-thirds of the way through now mm -hmm. and so don't spoil the end for me uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. but i really enjoyed it and the first chapter really still resonates with me as i'm reading the entire book i mm -hmm. i'm still thinking about that well that's good that was my intention so i'm glad that that happened for you yeah how were um, you affected by the kennedy assassination personally pretty Why? much the way i put it in the book yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know it changed the whole country and it changed our lives yeah so the mass murders by left-wing nuts and right-wing yeah. nuts and everything that the book deals with and that's happening now. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's still, yeah. it goes on every day in this country. School shootings, every other thing, and that's oh, what yeah. the book deals with. Yeah. So that's why I say that, it, to me, it's an important book because it deals with that theme and those problems in the broader sense, but it also brings it right down home to the main characters in the novel. Yeah. Maybe it's this thought just struck me. What, what I loved about Reds, and I thought it should have gotten Best Picture and Best Director, Reds had that same kind of scope. Mm -hmm. It had the broad scope of the whole Russian Revolution and what was happening as a result of it, but then it dealt very intimately in the lives of the main characters yeah. who were being affected by this broad right. panorama of the revolution. Just an absolutely brilliant film and how they could... I forget what they give it best picture but not best director or the other way around i think it got i think but, reds was best director probably not best picture. well it was best yeah. picture yeah. it was definitely i guess it should have been yeah didn't want to i mean come on nobody else that year or almost any year is dealing with things of such a broad for broad expanse as what warren Beatty did there mm-hmm I mean, come on. Yeah. Not Most people can't even handle a scene with multiple things happening in a restaurant. Didn't Ordinary People win Best Film that year? I think it probably didn't. Maybe it was one of those things. Maybe. Where, I, don't, hey, I, don't even, yeah. I don't even remember. Yeah. And it this was, happens it, in our it, homes. It, that yeah, happened in it, Russia. It was okay. <laughs> but, but no, I mean, yeah. I, I think, John, that's... Um, 
Again, Dan's further along because I'm a dinosaur. Mm-hmm. I read the mm-hmm. opening chapter last week, and I was mm-hmm. here on his handheld. But I want to re- I want to read the book. I want to hold a book. I like to I like mm-hmm. to feel that I'm connecting with my author by holding the book. But um, one of the things that was that is fascinating. If you're a nice guy, maybe John that. will sign it for you. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know if he's. Well, gonna if you're going to write a review, I don't, I don't think, think you just Kindle. go. You just go to Amazon there, and <laughs> right. um, I, and William, I mean uh, Gary, will drop drop ship you a book. Nice. Yeah, I'll definitely be doing a review as soon as I finish it. It, it was a great, it's a great read. From a storytelling perspective, though, like what, what, what you guys were just talking about and then what you even said with there with Reds, um, that's one of the things that always appealed to me is that causation. You know, it's mm-hmm. the it's the butterfly effect. It's the whole, hey, a butterfly mm-hmm. flaps its wings and here's what's something that happens 2,000 miles. And that's that's fun to tell the stories in that, in that backdrop, you know. Mm-hmm. And Dan and I have talked about the Kennedy assassination several times before on, on air and off. And, you know, without getting too dramatic, my undergraduate degrees in political science and I've always been a huge fan of mm-hmm. Kennedy I can't imagine what it was like to live through those events it's a schism in the country that mm-hmm. you know from well from, I from try that to period of time prior know, to and everything that happened after you really have to divide things yeah when you read it I mean that's what I try to do is yeah. convey what it was like for these characters to live through it but they were you know they were victims in a way that most people aren't but on the other hand Everybody that's died at the hands of fanatics left and right and yeah. in the middle, they're they're all uh, uh, that all happened. A whole lot of that wouldn't have happened if you didn't have that assassination and yeah. the craziness that set into the country in 1963. There's so and much. There's still, so yeah, it's a great point. It's like what's that old quote? And John, you may know it. It's that you know, one death is a tragedy, ten thousand mm-hmm. deaths is a statistic, and that's kind of yeah. I, I just don't know read if, that when you put it like that. It's like yeah, we can all sit back and mourn the death of the president, John Kennedy, mm-hmm. and that that killed freedom. But however, in the aftermath of that, thousands and thousands of people lost their lives. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a. That's. I mean, look, just Johnson, like I say in the problem. Oh, yeah. You know, if Johnson hadn't become president, we probably wouldn't have had the Vietnam War right, escalated. Right. That's right. And that's 58,000 American lives, not to mention millions of Vietnamese and Cambodians. Yeah. The whole country was changed so much by that event, that one event. It's like a shot of yeah. Mio in your water. It changes everything yeah. and that comes after it. Who knows? I was born in 72, so I might not even be here if Kennedy mm-hmm. wasn't assassinated. You said 20 years you worked on it, right? Yeah, I think at least 20 years off and on. Did you do a lot but, of research for it? Did you oh, go yeah. to Dealey Plaza? Did you? I didn't go to Dealey Plaza, but I didn't have to. Yeah. Have you, you been know? there? No. Okay. But I've read a whole I oh, yeah. read a whole lot of the conspiracy books and all oh, that, yeah. but Dealey Plaza isn't about the conspiracy. Right. Right. You know, that's the motivation for their trip. Right. And ultimately, because they go there, people get killed and... Uh, and, the, and it sets off this whole chain of events that goes on for 40 years and part of the American tragedy. Part of the reason uh, why, because like I say, everybody's looking for horror from me, yeah. including publishers and agents and so on. I like that you did but, something different. But I That's wanted cool. to do, finally I finished the book. Is this the book you always wanted to write? Because I know you... it's one of the books I always wanted to write for sure. Yeah. I mean, I have lots of things I want to do. Yeah. And, um, I have no intention of retiring or slowing down. <laughs> Thank God for me. that. And I met Gary, um, mm-hmm. Gary Vincent. You know, he he comes to the horror conventions. And, yeah, you've met and, Rich uh, Bottles too. Yeah, and uh, and uh, they wanted me to write a story for the, for one of their anthologies, and so I did. And um, that's uh, Channel Six Six Six. Yeah, 
in the I have not read it yet, but I and then I noticed to. that what they were doing with their their publishing, and I thought, well, I don't want this book to die. And Kensington Books is looking for another horror uh -huh. novel, and I already have a project proposed to them. But I want I finished this book now, and I want it out there. And Gary might be a good person to. So I just emailed him and told him about it, and he right away jumped on it, and he's yeah. doing a fantastic job promoting it. So. So um, yeah, that's actually how we hooked up. Is is job. Rich Bottles uh, saw <clears throat> pictures that I was posting the Facebook. I was actually just <clears throat> in Dealey Plaza. Uh, I went out to visit a friend of mine from Pittsburgh that <clears throat> lives in Texas. I haven't seen him in probably about twelve or fourteen years, and I went out to visit him. And he's like, you know, I've been in Dallas for how many years? I've never been to Dealey <laughs> Plaza. Yeah. Why don't we go down there? So I went down to Dealey Plaza with him, and we took pictures, and we went to the <clears throat> museum and everything. One thing I will tell you. It's so much smaller than you think it is. I guess it's, I fall victim to that thing where because such a big event occurred there, mm -hmm. I expect it to be this huge place. <laughs> and you get there and it's just this little yeah, tiny I place. Don't. I don't. And it's, you know, there's there's folks that, <laughs> yeah. there's two little X's on the, the concrete on the pavement. I don't mm -hmm. know if you know that. As you drive down the road, there's an X. I think I read that somewhere, but. Yeah, a little okay. further down, there's another X. And then you get these yohos that are out there. Run, they run out there, and they get their picture. They get this big smile on their face. No. And then they run back out before the car hits mm -hmm. them that's coming down the street. Well, and I, you know, when the o, when OJ, uh, when those murder, murders happen. And by, by the way, I should say that, that George Romero, Russ Dreiner, and I, we, we're sort of like Renaissance men. You know, our, our interests and our conversations have always been about art and politics and philosophy and music and every yeah. other thing you know that's why we we're not always you. talking about horror yeah and 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 so we've always been interested deeply interested and passionate about passionate about everything that goes on in the world mm -hmm. and so dealey plaza didn't come out of a vacuum it came out of that yeah. kind of kind of attitude and uh, and so um now what else was i going to Something I, something I was thought that should be a preamble for. We uh, we lose stuff all the time here. It'll come back to yeah, you, I'm sure. Maybe. Was it the the smallness of Dealey Plaza? That's oh yeah, it, yeah, because because when the OJ murders happened, um, Bill Heinzman had acquired. He had shot some of the series of sports celebrity films right. that George Romero made after I left. You know, I shot a lot of the. One on Stargell, mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. wasn't even edited when I left, and then they got some of this tax shelter money, a lot of it. And they made <laughs> they made fourteen sports documentaries, <laughs> and so then Bill Heinzman, the lab or the somebody owed Bill Heinzman some money, so he just said, "Just give me the rights to those films." So then he got me to Agenton. So uh -huh. we're just ready. We're ready to start advertising and marketing these sports documentaries when the murders happen. Yeah. So now. Um, uh, Bill said, well, everybody said, well, you're going to make a half a million bucks because everybody's going to want clips from the OJ <laughs> film called Juice on the Loose. And, <laughs> and so Juice I was, the I'm loose. the person that sold all those clips to ABC and hard copy and every other oh, place. Okay. I had a bidding war going for, you know, 24 yeah. or 36 hours. I'm like, in, you're sitting in on those, gold. In those days, you know, I'm like, I got the fax machine going. I got two <laughs> telephones. I run across the market square to Chinese food, and I'm doing that. Right. And everybody's oh, saying, "Don't let, don't let ABC have it because we'll outbid them." You know, don't don't let them have it unless you come back to us, and we'll beat their numbers. <laughs> back and forth, huh? And back and forth, and nice. then uh, 
one lady at Hard Copy said, um, you know, whatever you make in the next 24 hours is going to be it because interest is going to pass uh -huh. very quickly from from his past life and the things in this that are dealt with in this documentary to to what's going on now. And she was right, of course. So we ended up taking in seventy thousand dollars. I sold nice. the uh, uh, VHS rights to, to to Vidmark, which is now Lionsgate. Okay. And I sold a lot of the clips in the uh, and I found what the market would bear. Yeah. Because they did drop out at a certain point. You yes. Know? So anyway, so then we're we're in the L.A. for uh, some convention or other. And George Romero was there editing Monkey Shines. And I called him up and said, we're coming to L.A., so where are you? And I said, we're figuring on going to the San Diego Zoo and taking Bob Michelucci's kids who were with us. I'd said, love oh, to be in a room with the oh, two of you guys. Oh, we're going to the zoo, too. So we said, let's meet at the zoo. So then this thing comes out, and George said, oh, that was before the zoo thing. Because when George found out that we were marketing these clips, yeah. He calls me up and says, well, you're exploiting OJ, and <laughs> and I'm going to get on TV and say you're exploiting OJ. I said, George, what were you doing when you made the documentary? <laughs> I said, you know, I said, you know, he, he I said, we well, already knew enough by then. Yeah. I said, George, he's almost certainly guilty, yeah. you know, and this is going to be a valuable social document <laughs> because people writing theses and everything else down through the years are going to want to at least look at this yes. film. And uh, George said, well, I'm going on TV. And he did. He went on TV and denounced the whole thing. Really? But then by by the time, uh, this is really a sidetrack, isn't it? But, That's, we love tangents but, here on the uh, night story. Uh, he's, <laughs> so then when it came time to go to the zoo, the zoo trip and, and that, so I said, uh, he said, well, let's meet up at the, at the zoo. And I said, well, what's the in place in Hollywood right now? Because we got to show the kids some stuff. And he said, well, you know the Luna, the the, the, the Mezza Luna restaurant? He, he said, well, down from there, there's a, there's a great Chinese restaurant, and it's the new in place. All right. So, and by that time, I think he realized OJ was guilty, too, so there was no <laughs> tension about that, you know. So, so, so... Um, it, so what I wanted to have, I followed that every day of that trial as much as I could. A lot of people did, I yeah. wanted to that see him convicted thing. so badly. So I wanted to see what it really looked like. So we, we hunted down O.J.'s place and the, and the Cole's place, yeah. which was hard to find. We missed it a bunch of times because it was totally remodeled. Really? Missed, we found O.J.'s place yeah. pretty quick, oh, yeah. except you couldn't get there on yeah. a straight route because there was a big steel bar across the road, <laughs> and you had to sidetrack and find your way to yeah. it. So then, so finally we find it, and just as we pull up, the, the gates going up and the, the big Cadillacs pulling in and the, some of those lawyers that were representing OJ on the uh, civil trial uh, step came out of the limo and then the gate went down. And then OJ steps out of the woods across the way. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and he looks very gray and he's got this beat up ball cap on his head. <laughs> And he's got a sack on his back, and I'm thinking, are those the knives? <laughs> you know. And then people, there were other cars parked there, That's and awesome. people started jumping, jumping out of their cars and trying to get his autograph. 
we'll and, get... and, and but but what made me think of it is like you said how small Dealey Plaza looked. Yeah. Well, the road is actually very narrow to the point where we had to pull over if a car coming the, mm-hmm. the other way needed to pass. Yeah. And the whole issue of the trial, or one of the main issues, was could would the limousine driver have seen the Bronco? You could miss that Bronco if I could miss my thumb in my eye. <laughs> the street was so narrow, nobody could miss, and the jury was taken there. Right, that's right. And so, you know. So they knew, too. They saw. They saw it, and they still didn't Oh, that's right. I forgot. The jury was taken. To they the, were yeah, taken there. Right. The street's right. narrow. Yeah. In, in all the news coverage, it looked like a broad, expansive yeah. road in front of this this, uh, yeah. this gated um house mansion whatever it was. they should have driven a bronco down the, the road for I them mean, to watch coming down the road to- totally ridiculous That's you know funny. what on a on a unrelated but somewhat related note um back to your thesis there john about how all these you know i'll use the term cataclysmic just because i can't think of anything better to use at this time of events mm-hmm. that occur because of something that happened had it not been for robert kardashian being on oj's defense team we probably wouldn't have to contend with all of the Kardashian BS that's on television <laughs> that's nowadays. True. Well, that's a really good, <laughs> ironic. I, I, uh, I just realized uh, that to, to your point about sarcastic point, point. <laughs> right? And, and all of the bad yeah, things I, that I've never out. watched it once. And <laughs> Neither I don't have I. But, to, no. but it, yeah, but you can't swing a dead cat without. We wouldn't have legal zoom from <laughs> from. Um, Robert, right. Robert, Robert. Right, we'd have right. Shapiro. Shapiro. We wouldn't have to deal with, yeah, the, I think, Johnny Cochran's deceased. Uh, uh, Shrek, he ought to be ashamed of himself and Henry Lee. <laughs> right. Goddamn liars. <laughs> like, just I mean, like, I mean, Shrek is over there identifying bodies through DNA that had been blown apart and buried in <laughs> battlefields and in Romania. And at the same time, he's testifying that DNA can be deteriorated in a driveway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, to your point, it's like all out of one horrible event, mm-hmm. you have all of these spinoffs and all this stuff that becomes part of the American culture, which is why, you know, as much as I love the Dealey Plaza title, mm-hmm. American Murders is a pretty good title, too. You're a storyteller because, I mean, you've written screenplays, short stories, you've worked mm-hmm. in movies, um, you've acted, you've directed. Why do you love storyte- storytelling? What, what compels you to be a storyteller? Well, I mean, <laughs> the whole human race loves storytelling, yeah. don't they? Yeah. We had, you know, from the time we were cavemen sitting around the fire. But and because of how else are you going to convey the lessons of, of the human existence except by storytelling? I mean, wow. you got factual stuff, and then you have, you know, fictional stuff, which in a way is even more factual. Yeah, if it's real, and it, and it, you know, it, it, it you. It conveys the wisdom of now and of the ages, and so what? I don't know what what more to say about it. And that's I, a, that's I love that to do it, and people get a kick. You know, I'm a great jokester, and people I make people <laughs> laugh their butts off at the conventions and elsewhere. And um, I like entertaining people. My mother and dad were that way, but then they'd fall into arguments. You know, they'd be they'd be like the life of the party, right. and then we'd be in the car as kids. We'd be going home if we were there with them. And then one of them would say, "My dad might say, did you see how I made?" No, my my mother would usually. Did you see how I had them laughing? My dad would say, "You had them laughing. What about me? I had them laughing." <laughs> that would go for all the way from uh, that awesome. to drunken fights and chasing each other with butcher <laughs> knives, and my dad in jail, and no. the phone ripped out of the wall, and my mother gone for two weeks, and we didn't know if she committed suicide or not. 
Wow. That's how it was, you yeah. know. But that's it's funny. They were the life of the party. So just And so, then they made up. Then they'd make up for a little while. But you never knew when the next episode <laughs> right. would happen. So you lived in terror. So, uh, but I, I just didn't want to be that way. I mean, I'm... If I'm a drunk, I'm, when I'm drinking, I'm a happy drunk, and I entertain people and laugh and get a kick out of it, and I don't fight. How is your How's your relationship with George? You seem to have well, like a kind of a a love hate thing there, but I think it's no, really I don't, respectful. I don't hate George at all. It's uh, you know everybody loves George, and uh, I mean we're on we always were on the same intellectual plane. It, maybe I should and, restate uh, that. It's, it's kind know, of like you, you I have a good natured ribbing a, thing going on with him. I don't even often rib him. I, I didn't even say anything to him about uh, not giving me credit to the, for the thing <laughs> because uh, it might get into an argument, you know. And long, long, for a long time, I just didn't want to rain on his parade. Right. Yeah. But after a while, it kind of annoys you. Mm. And then sometimes he'll jump like at the 40th anniversary uh, thing in the, in Dallas, and we're up all up on stage, and he's he says. Uh, He's laying compliments on me in front of 700 people and saying that, you know, I don't want to take anything away from Russ, but Jack's the one that makes it happen. <laughs> you know, and on the yeah. one hand, he'll say that, or he'll say other things. Like one thing I read, he said I could have been a superstar, but I he, he was trying to say I played it too safe, which is, to me, bullshit. <laughs> you know, come on, played it too safe. He's got films with an average budget of a, eight million dollars and my average budget's five hundred thousand yeah. i mean don't you think that had something to do with it sure yeah i'm always working with two hands tied behind my back but so i got a pinky to work with here. yeah but i just came across that in a 2009 interview that he did so How often you guys get together and talk uh he lives in toronto now so not very often but we did quite a bit when the play was in production well, well, next and, time, and we next, get along. We have great conversations and everything, and it, you know, it's uh, like just like that. All that stuff's like it, like it used to be. Yeah. But we have different creative temperaments, and you know, and uh, yeah, I was going to ask you about that because it's it's always interesting when you have because you're both creative people, and and there's this, I guess, idea that, and, and it's probably true. I mean, every every creative group has been like this. You have creative differences. You want to go one direction. Mm-hmm. This guy wants to go this direction. This guy wants to go this direction. Um, how much of that did you guys uh, have in, in your relationship as, as time went on? Not very much. Yeah. I mean, in Night of the Living Dead, we were all pretty much on the same page. That's and everybody great. was solidly behind George as the director and yeah. so on. And so it was very much a collaboration and it worked. There wasn't like the backbiting and backstabbing that yeah. usually happens, the ego problem. Once we were successful, then the ego problem sure. set in. <laughs> but mostly with not me and George and Russ, but an outsider, right. a sort of outsider, a friend, but an outsider. And then everybody was wanting to jump on the bandwagon and somehow, you know, ride our success to their best interests. So, yes. So then the second picture we did had a lot of problems. So then the group broke up so uh, but we didn't uh, we never really fought about much of anything except when George got Richard Rubenstein as a partner then they set about trying to uh, make George the the star and push the rest mm. of us in yeah. the background yeah. even yeah. though we had more to do with the success of Romero than, <laughs> yes. than they did you know yeah so 
Well, you let me know next time you guys get together and hang out. I'll come hang out with you. I don't know when it helps. That'd be awesome. Tough when I would love to have. Well, the next time's going to be. You should sell tickets. Well, they're at the at the Evan City Living Dead Festival. Georgia's going to be there. Oh yeah, in October. Nice. So if you get a ticket, yeah, but you better grab a ticket right away because it's going to be limited to six hundred. Attendees. Oh, Evan, okay. Evan City. Right, Evan City. Right, you got yeah. the pen there, right? Know, that, and it's in where, October. I know where Evan City is. This coming October. All right. Craig's. Well, it's Craig's treat. He's yeah. he's gonna he's gonna buy both tickets. I am actually. I got. I got. Well, I got to bankroll this better, operation at some. They point. might even be gone already. Yeah. The tickets. We'll, so we'll figure something out. Yeah. Yeah. Well. We'll, we'll hey, say we know John b- before before we wrap <laughs> let up. Let uh, us in. We're yeah. John's friends. But before we before we wind down, John, um, I just had a, a like one more question. It kind of dovetails mm-hmm. with something that that Dan asked there a few moments ago, um, and and I think you've already sort of answered this question. But it sounds like you still get a great deal of enjoyment out of telling stories. You know, that I love everything the, I do, and yeah. I always tell people when we do Q and As and stuff to. You know, if you can't have fun doing it, you don't belong in the business. And that includes the special effects and making up monsters and making fake wounds and killing off people in a movie. (laughs) You know, it's all a a kind of there's a kind of glee to it because it's all just fake and fun. And you try to make it realistic to, you know, to but you're but still you you um, and I still have a lot of fun. I love doing the conventions, meeting the fans. You stay attuned to what they like. Mm-hmm. And I party all night usually. And that's <laughs> Great. The way well, it is. well, that's fantastic. And the reason I asked that mm-hmm. question is because I don't know if you were a fan of Kurt Vonnegut at all. But I, I was, read uh, you know, a lot of Vonnegut's short, Vonnegut's short stuff, and I did like it a lot. Yeah. But uh, he's not a person that leaps to the top of my brain when I think about, you know, who's writing. I really, really got into yeah he he was always and i don't want to say he was always a favorite of mine i, I like mm-hmm. vonnegut's work mm-hmm. um and 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 when dan and i come the, one of the reasons we do this show dan talks about things more from you know the true writing perspective i'm mm-hmm. always interested in what inspires the, the creative side of the the, the person mm-hmm. who's doing the work um towards the end of his life vonnegut got really disassociated from stuff and he was incredibly yeah. cynical about human nature in general. Carlin really, was like that and, too. And, yeah, and, and George Carlin. Creative people sometimes get to that mm-hmm. point where they're like, you know what? This isn't fun for me anymore. I'm doing it because I'm getting a paycheck out of it. To your, you know, And I give you a lot of credit. It seems like you still truly love doing what you're doing, telling stories, mm-hmm. doing, doing what you do. Um, yeah, I do. And we get to do a lot of things yeah. because of our notoriety, you know. Like... Uh, Rob Lucas, who was a really good friend, and uh, you know, he did the Night of the Living Dead. He produced the Night of the Living Dead 40th anniversary documentary, and he wants to uh, uh, produce. He's disappointed in it because a lot of things weren't done right, and he wants to do the definitive documentary. <laughs> he's probably going to do it, and uh, but, but um, he's working on, on on the midnight financing now, among other things, but. His favorite band was Metallica, and uh, from the time he was a kid, and now um, you know he he got to meet that that, that band and did. Uh, uh, so he was going to go to the Metallica Orion Festival in 2013, May mm-hmm. 2013, and so and Kirk Hammett is a big horror collector. Absolutely, yeah, he's oh, yeah. a huge fan. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, big, big Boris Karloff fan, I understand. <laughs> yeah, everything. <laughs> right. He has, um, you know one of the 
probably the top collection in the world. Yeah. And um, so, so he was going to have some horror celebrities in his tent. And when I say tent, yeah. it's like a big novice, <laughs> right? You know, it's like all, a general's yeah, tent. Yeah, I mean, it's it's no They're bigger than a that. Campaign. And uh, so, so um, I I got uh, he Rob got me into it for 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 one of the days. And I had a table there, and it was me and um, Gunnar Hansen and Jordan, oh, Jordan nice. Ladd and Bill Mosley and um, uh, anyway, Savini was supposed to be coming in on on a Sunday from a convention in Canada, so I got to use his table on Saturday because I already had everybody yeah. booked by that time. Oh, oh, was Kane hot in there? No, I don't think he was. Anyway, I went there and I just had a blast. And um, they liked, they loved the way that um, I related to them and their music and their fans. Yeah. And the, Rob and I did a Q&A and I got Jordan Ladd up on the stage with us. And um, she loved the way we handled that. And so this one girl they called Spooky, beautiful girl from Austin, but she was in charge. <laughs> she was in charge of, her name was Katie, but they yeah. nicknamed her Spooky. Everything was get spooky, spooky on those spooky. And man, did she pull that off. The whole event was so spectacular. Over 100,000 people, 30 oh, bands. That's fantastic. And everything first class and coming off without a glitch. And then we were, to be on the inside there and getting VIP treatment yeah. was, was such a kick. And uh, so as a result of I made a good impression there, and uh, I got invited to Kirk's Horror Festival in San Francisco this past February. Okay. And, um, <laughs> and Mark's, uh, Mark Paschke, who's Kirk's right-hand man for handling, you know, the stage and the VIP sections and lots of other things. and. He said, Kirk thinks you're great and you're going to be invited to everything we do. So. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> and, I, and I just love that. Yeah. But a lot of people, like I have friends that say, I wouldn't walk across the street to see heavy metal. And I wasn't into heavy metal, although I did. I am friends with Guar. Yeah. And I've been to some of their really? concerts. because. Awesome. And I'm going to be at the Guarbecue in, in August. Nice. And, uh, and so Rob's going to go. And uh, and I'm helping Brad Roberts. The He's the drummer and the CEO of the band. And I'm helping him line up horror guests because. Have you ever met Gene Simmons? Gene? Of Kiss? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, because Guar is like but, Kiss on steroids. Yeah, that's people say that. Yeah. I've heard people say that, but I'm not familiar. I mean, I wasn't into heavy metal, but yeah. uh, now I can see, you know, the temperament, the artistic temperament that they have. Yeah. And they haven't forgotten where they came from, yeah. and they're so warm and gracious. Yeah, people, you know. Yeah, and I just I love that, and it's I just had a lot of fun. And nothing's worse than somebody that makes the big <clears throat> time that forgets the people that helped mm -hmm. them get there. Well, yeah. yeah, and and I think that's you know maybe that's a great place to. to and most to, people don't. Yeah. Most, I mean, most celebrities that I've known are pretty good people. There are very few assholes. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you know, but but and they're bright. You yeah. have to be, or you won't you won't stay. You won't have a 
yeah, you know, if you, you'll, if you, you'll fade. Right. That's what, that's what I was going to get to is that mm-hmm. the fact that artists and creative individuals, John, who have a legacy mm-hmm. um, that, that withstands, you know, to, to, you know, five decades for you, right? Yeah. I mean, for the, the better part of five decades yeah. and you still have yeah. people. And I think that's it. It's the, you know, mm-hmm. like I, and I always tell Dan and I talk about this and I don't know it because I haven't experienced any type of acclaim, but I like to think that at the end of the day, the reason why I like to do creative things is because I want to communicate with other creative people. Like you talked yeah. about earlier, if I met my idol, I wouldn't know what to say to him or her other than, hey, I really admire your work. I don't want to be in their posse. I just want to say yeah, something right. you did, something you mm-hmm. wrote, something you performed, something your work inspired me in this way, shape, or form. And mm-hmm. as an artist, if somebody said that to me, I would be like, great. Mm-hmm. I left a legacy on you. But to your point, you, that that comes with, it's a two-way street. Your fans appreciate you. You appreciate yeah. them back. And that's the fun part. I always part. tell them, you know, they say, oh, it's such an honor. And yeah. I say, well, it's an honor to meet you. <laughs> Where would we be without the right. fans? Exactly. If, we right. could be, exactly. if I was at this convention, Russ always says, you know, without the fans, I'd be home uh, pruning my hedges. <laughs> <laughs> that's terrific. So uh, that's pretty much, I think. Well, and I get along great with the with the fans, yeah. You know? And that when they come to conventions, they're just hoping that they could have a beer with you or yeah, something yeah. like that. And so How I go to the VIP parties, and you know, I at least poke my head in and yeah. let them take pictures and things like that. And uh, well, I don't know what else to say about it right now. <laughs> hey, before well, you go, one last question I have. Uh, and I like to occasionally ask stupid questions. So the zombies, mm-hmm. they were a band. They were a British invasion band in the yeah. 60s. You're familiar with them. I still have one of their albums. So what's your favorite song? She's Not There or Time of the Season? Uh, well, she's not. I like them both. Okay. Well, I'm putting you on this. But I wouldn't have said. But I wouldn't have said time of the season. That's a that's a really great song. I like that a yeah. lot. But it's uh, she's not there. And then what's the other one? Um, the other uh, they do have another hit soon yeah, and if you yeah, come yeah, up with yeah, that yeah i was trying to think of it one day <laughs> on one of these trips and i couldn't think of it and then finally i thought of it and now i'm she's not there um, come closer it's the other she song tells yeah. you they've got three hits and that's the my mood they have more hits than that charm, and she, she tempts you with her charm to tell her no no no. Is it Tell What's Her No? Title? Is that the name of the song? That might be it. Yeah, you may be right. No, no, no. Don't hurt me now. That's the song. And I'm a ton of It might be. Guy, it might that. be. Well, that's a great song. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> but uh, that's what it... Maybe the title is Tell Her, tell, tell her No. Dan's going to use the Google I know. He's looking it up. Us, he's yeah. Googling it. <laughs> tell Her No by the Zombies. There you go. Yeah. 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 So, so before we wrap up, plug mm-hmm. away. What, what? Tell us what's coming up. Tell us. Well, the Daily Plaza book. Yeah. Uh, Daily Plaza where we book. Can find it. Dot com and uh, dbcollege.com, John Russo's movie making program. Uh, oh, and my webinar. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's, tell us that's, about the webinar. Uh, where can folks you go know to how to structure that? a great horror film? Amp up the shocks, and it's at uh, the writer's store. And that's on what day? And it's on uh, May 12th at 1 o'clock Eastern Standard. Okay. That means i got to get this out um, before then. I think there's only a few days left to sign up. I think those are the main things right now. And the 
Midnight Financing, if anybody wants to put their money in a good film. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well, and what about some of your other books? You, you mentioned uh, some of your, your you, the movie-making books and whatnot. They can find all that on the well, website. Well, you know, they, they're, uh, they were published some time ago, then, but you can find them on, online. Yeah, okay. You know, well, you get nerds are... like me, John, who go onto Amazon mm-hmm. and will search for anything, and if they want it, they'll grab it. I do mm-hmm. that. So, but I'm all over YouTube. But there was a thing that was shot in San Francisco of me as a zombie talking about <laughs> how I became a zombie and nice. the problems with that. You know, yeah. like the, still with some rigor mortis to the point where I can't raise my arms high enough to comb my hair. <laughs> well, anyway. you're familiar with Dr. John Towers, right? Mm, no, who's that? Okay, he does a, a podcast called Red Horse Radio. Oh, oh yeah, I, I heard. I remember Red Horse. Yes, yeah. and he's uh, friends with Dave Fairhead, who mm-hmm. I know you sat down with, and mm-hmm. shares the same publisher as you. Uh, John's a, a great artist. Uh, this picture right here on the wall mm-hmm. is his interpretation of me as a zombie, <laughs> and uh, as uh, cover art for the zombie episode that we did, he's agreed to actually take the picture that my wife shot of the three of us and mm-hmm. zombify all three of us. So I'll share that with you. Okay, great. And um, I'll, send, I'll send you links to the shows. You can share okay. them with your fans and that sort of thing. And uh, well, my you wife's, can paste them on my... On your Facebook yes, page? Absolutely. Yeah, yes. I have a fan page and a regular page. Okay, great. I'll do that. And my wife's going to send you home with an apple pie tonight as a oh, thank gee. you for coming out. Nice. She uh, baked two apple pies today. One of them is, is yours alone, so... I, I really appreciate you coming out and spending time with us. We uh, we love stories and storytelling, and it's it's just great to sit down with somebody that's had such a long history of, of telling stories and still retains that love of, of telling a great story. So thank well, you so much. Well, it's my pleasure being here, and thank you. We hope you'll come back and, and sit with us again. And I May, wish hopefully you, you won't forget us when they've made Dealey Plaza into the Oscar-winning <laughs> film. Of well, you won't let me forget you. You'll <laughs> yeah. be right away. You'll be. I'll be like, "Hey, yeah. Tarantino called you." <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I'd I'd love to see a collaboration mm-hmm. between you and Tarantino. That would be fantastic. So I'm I'm hoping that that does happen. Yeah. Me too. It'd be nice. All right, folks. Well, that is a wrap for episode number 25. I just want to say thank you to everyone for tuning in and supporting the show. Please do go rate us over in iTunes, like our page on Facebook, look for Victoria Bigglesworth Hayes' Facebook page. She posts something new every week for us. And make sure you're looking for Jessica's content to start showing up on the Facebook page. We're looking forward to that as well. So join us next week for episode number 26 of the Ninth Story Podcast. It's a continuation of our interview with John Russo with some great extra stuff. Again, thanks for joining us for episode number 25. Have a great weekend or week, depending upon when you're listening to the show. You've been listening to the Ninth Story Podcast, a hicks and fabulous production.
Bernie Ball Publishing presents The Fall of Tomorrow by David J. Fairhead. Available May 1st at Amazon.com and at BurningBallPublishing.com.